Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that message in John chapter 8. Thank you, Lord, that you have claimed some great things over our lives, some great things over the world. Pray that you stir our hearts this morning as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we've got a serious issue in our house at the moment. You see, whenever Hannah, my wife, walks into a room, she freaks me out. She just walks in and I can't hear her. She's like as quiet as a mouse. And we know, actually, we know that mice aren't that quiet because we, we've had an issue with that as well. But, but I can hear Ezra coming. He just walks in, stamping, 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 blah, 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 blah. He, I can always tell when Ezra's coming. Spurgeon, I can always tell when he's coming because he's scantering around the house, tap dancing everywhere, and we can hear him a mile off. But Hannah just has this amazing ability to just appear behind me and completely freak me out. And she always looks at me in a certain way as if I'm, I'm the mad one, as if I'm completely ridiculous. And she always says, it's only ever me. It can't be anyone else. And that's not true um, because uh, people know the key code to our door. But anyway, the reality is, is that Hannah is amazing at just appearing from nowhere. I'm always shocked. Why? Because I can't see her coming. Why? Because I can't hear her coming. When, when I can hear something coming, I'm prepped for it. When I can see it, I'm prepped for it. But because I don't know, there's been no revelation of Hannah walking into the kitchen, I jump out of my skin. We need revelation. And as Jen put earlier, we need the light switched on. How do we ever know anything? How do we ever hear anything? Well, we need to see it. We need it to be revealed. We need a revelation. And Jesus said in our reading, as you heard, thank you, David, a great reading, nice fence, by the way, uh, behind you. Jesus is the light of the world, shining in the darkness so we can see him. And when we have that light, we can hear him, but not just him. He illuminates everything else, which also means he's claiming that without him, we're in darkness. There's no need to be shocked anymore. There is no need to jump at what happens next. Jesus is the light of the world. He's told us. He's revealed it. He walks with us if we want him to. He continues to light the way of our lives for those who know him. That's the message of our passage. Let's be thinking about that as we, as we go through and we take it apart a little bit. Let me give you some context. See, our passage today, it starts with Jesus referencing the answer that God gave to Moses when he asked God in Exodus. He said, I am the light of the world. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I explained it a little bit in that sermon, I am. Am. God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he said, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. See, I am is, is this weird phrase that, that God gave Moses and Jesus is picking up on that. He's using that. The Hebrew for I am 
represents, it references the name of God himself, Yahweh. The old translation of Yahweh is Jehovah. You might remember that word, Yahweh. Revealing that the God who Moses is speaking with, the God who is revealing himself to Moses out of that bush, is in fact the God of the universe, the one true and living God, Yahweh, who just is. I am self-existing, self-reliant, not depending on any other before all things. He is. I am Yahweh. Says it in Isaiah as well, chapter 41. You may remember if you've ever read this, this great prophet, I, the Lord, the first and the last, I am He. Jesus uses this term to reveal His identity as the I am. Many times in the New Testament, seven times in John's Gospel, but He also adds other elements of revelation, pictures so we can see Him. I am the light of the world. We will see this continuing as we continue in John's gospel for the next few months. He's just come out with this mad line. The context of this situation is that Jesus is, is there at a big festival in Jerusalem. Remember from the previous chapter last week and the week before, two weeks ago, he's at the festival of the booths. Or the festival of tabernacling, the feast of the tents, so to speak. It's a festival of remembrance that the Jewish people remembered their time of walking with God in the wilderness after they were freed by God from slavery in Egypt. They would live in leafy booths, in leafy tents in that wilderness. And this was the, the celebration they would all gather in Jerusalem and they would light it up because they remembered that by night in the wilderness, we see it in the Old Testament, by night in the wilderness, they were led by a pillar of fire so they could see walking at night and by day by a cloud. They would celebrate this yearly by lighting up Jerusalem for days, a week-long feast with candles, a massive flaming torches and really big candelabra. And Jesus is there, standing in the middle of this festival, whether there were lights flying up or they were, they were simply setting it up or, or they'd all just calmed down after the festival. He was there being questioned, being questioned by the religious leaders of the day, coming to him and, and challenging him and trying to trap him. Those who had spent hours lighting candles for this candlelit festival. Now we know how long it takes, don't we? To put tea lights around the church, to make it look beautiful for some of our candlelit festivals like Christmas or Advent. We know that it is so difficult, but the end result is a lovely environment of light. We know that. And they are lighting their candles. They are setting the place up. It's important that their place represents what they're doing in, in remembering and worshipping God. But they're there lighting candles to symbolise God giving them light to see. God leading their way by light. And Jesus rocks up and he says, nice torches, nice candelabra, 
nice tea lights, but I am the light of the world. In a city that's been lit up to remember all that God has done by leading his people, Jesus stands there and has the cheek to say, nice candlelight, but I am the light. How do you think they would feel? Jesus says, I am the bigger light than your little tea lights. I am the bigger light than your big church candles. I am the bigger light of your life. Perhaps for those listening, when Jesus said this, there's a reference in their head, that another, another reference from Isaiah chapter 9, where, where Isaiah told people the word of God, and he said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. See, Jesus isn't just saying a, a basic teaching of, I help you see when your wife jumps out at you. God and light, they go right back. Right back to the very beginning. You might remember the first thing that God ever said as he created the world that you and I live in. Let there be light. Genesis 1, 2 to 5 says this, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, he spoke, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. This passage tells us that without light, the earth was formless, dark, and void. The light comes and it brings order. We have a God of order and light is how he brought that in. The first set of order, light and darkness separated day and night. And good Jewish listeners at the time will have, will have known these verses off by heart. Jesus isn't just a, a wind-up torch that we want to use when we want to know things. He's not just a, a prophet to, to listen to when we want good information. He is the I am. He is the light over the world. How does order come in? Some of you may remember Marie Kondo. She was a, quite a big rave a, a year ago or so. She should have waited for lockdown because we've actually had time to order our houses. But you might remember Marie Kondo. She taught us how to fold things and bring order. She's brought order to orderless underwear drawers. Those underwear drawers, they became beautiful under her instruction. The drawers work better than they did before. Her folding is amazing and it just sets things up in a beautiful way. And I think she says you're not allowed more than 30 odd books. Well, I'm doing pretty well on my bookshelf behind us. It brings us pleasure to have an ordered underwear drawer. It certainly does me in the morning. But God does more than that. More than Marikondo ever could. He brings order to our lives. The light comes in and brings order to the world. He makes us beautiful. He brings form to our lives in a way that works far better than the way we were rattling through life before. 
He steps into the religious of the world. The Pharisees in our passage, the Jewish religion at the time, and they were focusing on God bringing them light in a religious act of remembrance, which was fine, it was good. But when God himself actually walks in and says, I am the light, they're too busy with their religious ways to use the light that he offers. Please don't interrupt our carols by candlelight, Jesus. It's so lovely. Yearly we do this. You can't see with your lights. Let us just get on with this, Jesus. We'll sing our hymns. We'll enjoy our ambiance. And then maybe we'll tackle your ideas later. That's a tea light. I am the light of the world. Let's listen. The light brings true knowledge of this world. The light brings order to our lives, ways of life that that work for our created nature, for our DNA. The light brings form and order to how we should naturally be. The light brings us his presence. It takes fear away. When God speaks, his presence orders the listeners. The world was listening and responding in Genesis when God created through words. And he's still forming through spoken words. Light and there was light. In the life of Christians, God is continuing to form them into holiness He is taking us on the word of a big, big church word called sanctification. Becoming sanctified. Becoming sacred. As people who follow the light of the world, he is continuing through his word to form us and bring light into the disorder. Jesus came to a world that had fallen back into the void. To humans that thought they had form and order, but actually they were in darkness. In following, we are not in darkness. Verse 12. We're in darkness. We are simply focusing on the physical half of humanity. Look at the world. When we are in the darkness, we don't have the light. All we focus on is how we feel. All we focus on is how we can physically define our lives. Although we tell ourselves that we have form, we tell ourselves that we're good rounded people, we work to be great rounded people, we spend our time and money on making us good formed people for this world. We make sure that as best we can that our workplaces are, are doing us good and earning the money that provides for the life that we choose. We, we spend money often on educational extra lessons to, to make our children the good rounded people that we think they should be. We also spend money on gym membership so our physical bodies are the best they can be at peak point. You can see from mine, I'm not doing too well in that case. We look at the physical, our minds, our bodies. We worry about our health and we don't think about anything further. But we have no time for the heart education, for the heart gym workout, 
the spiritual needs of every physical human on earth. You see, there's a whole other side of humanity. The physical's good. All those lists of things, I'm not damning them. They're great. But probably for 50% of our time and our money. You see, spiritually, we have to care in the same way. We have to work and forming and ordering our spiritual as well as our physical. Everything's out of kilter in this world. We are in our sin. We practice sin. We're slaves to the darkness. So, so dark that we can't see that we are shackled in the darkness. Really important point in our sermon. The most thought through of abusers today the most worked out of modern slave masters are those who abuse their victim in such a way that the victim thinks that this is actually good for them. Manipulated to believe that this is the best life for them. Trapped. Abuse victim. Slave. It's a lie. We know it's a lie. It's a desperate and a disgusting lie. Shackles of slavery and they don't even know it. Shackles of slavery in the darkness, shackled to the way that is far and distant from God, not what he wants for people. Absolutely not. It's why the church spends hours and hours and thousands and thousands of pounds to, to tackle slavery. The world does so. Tackle abuse, abusers over their victims to help the world be better. But you see, we, we, we should do that. We can do that. We should put our efforts there because it symbolizes what happens spiritually as well. Shackles of slavery, shackled to a way that is far from God. Jesus said, verse 24, in our passages, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless. Unless. Remember those words church the darkness is not the only option we can believe that he is that I am he that I am the light that I am the true knowledge of the world that I am the true moral stability that I am God's presence and following him walking with us no longer scared of the dark but joyful in the light our response, if we're not already in relationship with Jesus, might be, yeah, but it's only Jesus saying this, right? Why would I follow one guy's teaching when, when there are plenty of other people across the centuries who have taught good things, from Aristotle through to Gandhi to every TED Talk? Well, that's what the people hearing Jesus said. The law of God that they were following said that you can't just say something on your own. You need witnesses. Two or three. We need two or three witnesses. And they, they come to Jesus in our passage and they challenge him on that. And we still use that today, right? You don't just believe one person's comment. You want to make sure that there's all sorts of other evidence based around what they're saying. We hope that they're just a spokesperson for a, a wave of evidence behind them. And, and although we can be quite gullible listening to one person's news article or another, reality is we expect witnesses, we expect evidence. Well, so did they. Verse 13, so the Pharisee said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus' response, I like to think in quite a calm way, he said, I need no other witness because I know 
Jesus isn't just a man who has an opinion, even an informed one. He is the Son of God who was there when light was first spoken into the world. He is the Word. He is intimately invested in the creation and the forming of the minds that were standing there questioning him. Revelation 1 tells us that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the first letter in the alphabet and the end. The first and the last, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And Revelation, that was chapter 1, in chapter 22, he says it again, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says in our passage, he knows where he's come from and he knows where he's going. Even if I do bear witness about myself, verse 14, my testimony is true for I know where I came from. I know where I'm going, but you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. His witness, what he sees, is beyond that of humanity. We need more than one person to vouch. He is not just a man with limited eyes, but we know he is far more than that. He speaks of his relationship with other witnesses. He doesn't need other witnesses, but he's got them. His father, verse 18 and 19, you don't know him or me. He and I are together. If you know me, you would know him because we're God. John, in writing this gospel, is clear on the Trinity. We see at Jesus' baptism, John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. You won't take my words for it. Fine. The Spirit's with me. The Father's with me. You insist on two witnesses. Well, well, there's three. But you don't know the Father. People trying to get to God, they just they don't know him. You can try and build a ladder, do all the spiritual stuff you want. Try and, try and look around the world and, and gather together lots of good spiritual things to make us spiritual. But unless we know Jesus, we're going to fall off the top of that ladder. Religion and spiritualities, they're trying to impart wisdom and knowledge about the God of the universe, but they don't know him. They're in darkness. Verse 19. See, it's only Jesus who knows him. He is the word of the Father. Let me remind you of the first verses of the Gospel of John. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. And in the word, in him, verse 4 of chapter 1, was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's not only disciples of Jesus that know, sorry, it is only the disciples of Jesus who know the light, who can see. But praise God, this, this isn't a closed group. He came and he spoke for all to hear. We can join. The light has come for all people. But if we don't, friends, it's a sad reality. Verse 23, you're from below. 
I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I continue to be formless and void without the light. So they said to him, well, who are you? Verse 25, who are you? Jesus said, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I've much to say about you and much to judge. We play God, don't we, in life. We judge others, but very rarely ourselves. We play God all the time. And these, these Jewish people, they're judging. Who are you? To his face, who are you? What are you saying? You don't have witnesses. You're just a fraud. They don't listen to him and do what we all should do and sit at his feet and and open our ears and open our eyes. Listen to the one that brings order and form into our lives. Let's listen and learn. Let's breathe in the light. Let's see. But it's not our normal way. The darkness loves us judging everyone else but never our own hearts. I'm pretty good at that. To be fair, I've judged you all already. I am a quick-to-judge person. Confession time. I judge all the time. But this week, I've been moved to judge myself, and I've got absolutely no work done, because thing after thing after thing, I'm judging myself, and I, I, I can't get to the end of it. It takes all day long. Man looks at the outside. Our natural state is to just look at the outside, but... God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside, not God. God doesn't judge in our outward appearance or just by what we say or just by how we live. No, he looks at your heart. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, which eradicates that whole idea of, well, it's a good, if, it, if you're a good person, you do good things, God's going to say, great. No, he doesn't look at the outside. He looks at your heart. The good things can be a result of a good heart, but you can also do relatively good things without a good heart, and God's going straight to the heart. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The religious leaders, they judge him, but they needed to judge themselves in light of his words. But not now. Father, he says, the authority he brings up has sent me to declare to the world what I've heard. He's speaking the words of God, of Yahweh. He is the word of God. He speaks nothing else. His job to to the world right now in his earthly ministry and the bit we're reading for those 33 odd years was not to come and judge them otherwise the world would have been eradicated but was to come and tell them that their judgment day could be transformed he will return but not now not at that moment claiming he is the light of the world he's leaving years and years and centuries and centuries a couple of millenniums so far For us to listen that he is the light of the world. And he said we'll understand. Verse 28. You will understand when I'm lifted up. What's that in reference to? It's in reference to the hoisting up of the cross of Christ. When he was lifted up on the cross, 
we can understand because the death of Christ, it makes a way for our judgment day to be transformed. It makes a way for us to receive the light. When he died on that cross, the sacrifice was made so that we will not die in our sins, but we will live in his holiness. The cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, is how we can understand what he's saying now. We have the pleasure of knowing it, don't we, Chet? We can know because we see the, the culmination of all that Jesus has done. And the beauty is we can't be proud in knowing it because we've done nothing for it. It's Jesus. He told us and he was risen from the grave and it's all him. We're not proud. We're not hiding it. We want everyone to know. So to us who know it, to us who believe. You see, Jesus then turns in this passage away from those who don't believe and are challenging him and to those who do believe. He says, verse 31, if you, my disciples, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Friends, those who believe, those who know it, many of us have been Christians for many years some of us more than others. Some of us might be new listening today. Some of you may have decided actually you do want to follow the light as I've been preaching this word. Praise God. But we're now to abide in his word. His word. His revelation. The communication of God right from the beginning of let there be light. Abide in that word all the way through. And how do we have that? Because the Lord has given it to us in the scriptures, in the Bible. They are, it's not just a book of ancient literature. It's the living word of God telling us about the word Jesus. He's given us so much now that he's been lifted up. Believe once again. And we will abide and we will be free from the shackles of the darkness slavery broken abiding in him you see christian discipleship is pretty easy my job's pretty easy to be fair it can't it can get a bit boring actually just talking to people i've got two questions one is are you reading your bible and the other is are you praying it's very simple and the answer, they range from all sorts. Some are yes, some are no. But the reality is, um, when you read your Bible, you're not just being a good little Christian doing your homework, but you're interacting with the Word of God. Your heart can, can move into it at surface level and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the Holy Spirit, he's the one that, that pops these words into our heart. It's not just our eyes and our academia that can do it. It's the Holy Spirit filling us with the word of God as we read what he's given us. Famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he said this. When asked what's more important, prayer or reading the Bible, I ask what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? This is abiding we find form the light shines in our lives everything has a new reality we start to grow as Christians this is the the spiritual milk that we're longing for as newborn Christians to abide and through this we will know the truth and the truth will set us free Jesus said I'm the light of the world and he is everything that we're seeing in the world right now from from COVID to Trump to statistics across the world of, 
of the horrendous reality of people dying, Jesus brings light to that. He gives us hope beyond the grave. He gives us hope beyond our loneliness now. He gives us hope for a world that is coming, that we can start living now in the power of the Spirit and flooded in the light. And he has witnesses. God the Father and God the Spirit. He doesn't need them, but he's got them. And it's not that our minds don't understand who Jesus is. It's that our hearts don't love him. If we're not hearing this message, then I pray, pray, humble yourself to to try and hear this message. Soften your heart to hear what Jesus is saying. Because for some, verse 37, his words find no place in them. My prayer is that whilst we're locked down, whilst this nation is struggling, whilst we're seeing people die, that his words can find a place in the hearts of many who would never have given it a second thought. He is the light of the world. And let's bring our lives into the light. And this is the Christian life. It's not just a traditional thing that we like to do as, as Western people. It's a worldwide movement. We've got to keep folding. To bring Marin Kondo up again, we've got to abide, keep folding by the power of the Spirit to bring order and form. Keep following his ways. We need to keep walking in the light, abiding in him. And he keeps revealing our darkness in us, the darkness of the world, and he transforms us. No matter what our situations are like, friends, let's be confessing confessing the ways of darkness and growing into the light, longing for pure spiritual milk, as 1 Peter chapter 2 says, abiding in the light and shedding light across the world because he is offering that light to everyone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who comes into our world and speaks radically. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that this world of darkness does not need to be one with your light in it. And Father, we know that we will always be attacked by people, people doing religion for religion's sake, people just focusing on the physicality and letting letting religion um, help that side of things. But Lord, may may the church grow and stand up and straighten its back at this time and preach to the world that there is light and that light is the life of all mankind. Amen.